Good afternoon. Thank you for coming out to this Tech Talk uh, here at VMworld 2019. My name is Nick Scuola, and today we're going to talk about how to upgrade your technical skills by using a business approach. Now, a little bit about myself. I'm uh, one of the vExpert pros where I try to help evangelize the vExpert program and bring more people into the program so you guys can do talks like this as well as maybe some presentations up uh, the main conference as well. And if you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to me and you know, we could talk about that uh, you know, other times. I'm also a former VMUG leader, so I've been very involved with the VMware community for uh, you know, a few years now, as well as um, I have a day job at Zerto, so I'm a solutions engineer. Prior to that, though, I was an end user you know, at a few different places, some very large companies such as uh, well-known media companies as well as financial institutions in New York City. So I've got a vast uh, array of experience across different industries and talking to different customers and things like that. So hopefully I'll be able to bring you some uh, unique perspective. All right. So just disclaimer, uh, I'm talking from experience here. So this is really what I've gone through in my career and some of the things that I picked up over time that have really helped me take my career to the next level and get to a point where I've had conversations at you know C levels or I could talk to you know IT admins or whatever it may be and really understand what it is that they're trying to solve for and help them achieve their goals. And uh, I'm a fan of Bruce Lee, so I, I love this quote where he says, absorb what is useful, discard what is useless, and add what is specifically your own. Which means like, if you enjoy what I'm saying, just you know, follow it. If there's some things that maybe you don't agree with or they don't apply to what your job is, that's fine too, all right? So I know I have a couple of customers in the room I see in the back we've got some uh, systems engineers. What does everybody kind of do for a day job? We have a pretty mix of customer, vendor, everybody more on the vendor side? Okay. So the reason I ask is, there you go. So the reason I ask is a lot of these principles, they're not just for an end user. They could be for a systems engineer like myself when I'm talking to customers. but it's really just having that in the back of your mind on what you're doing not only affects you, but it affects your company and affects you know, your career going forward because you're going to learn a lot of things, not just on you know, how do I configure certain applications or how do I stand up a, you know, a VM or as we heard, you know, Kubernetes is definitely a hot topic this year here at uh, you know, VMworld. Really applying those foundational technical principles, but really I say aiming them in the right direction and taking them and using them to actually solve something, solve a challenge, solve a problem, um, and really make your life a little bit easier. So, you know, my career before, I was a super technical admin. I was taking every certification under the sun and really trying to, you know, learn everything I possibly could about VMware and about, you know, all the technologies. I did a lot with AWS and Azure as well. But I was very kind of laser focused on the technology and I wasn't really looking outside of my my job and what my role was. And it really wasn't until my boss decided to move on from his position and I had to take on that role and really understand that there was a lot I didn't know. And sometimes it's a little eye-opening when you get pushed into a new role and you don't expect to take on some of these new responsibilities until you're kind of faced with it and you have to make things work. And really that's where I had a change in, in kind of mindset. And Think of it as a way that I had one approach and it worked and I was very good at my job, but typically I was the guy who sat in a corner, 
I did everything. I was the go-to resource and everybody knew if they needed to get something done, go ask Nick, he'll get it done. But I didn't have a team. I didn't have a group of people that I could work with and really you know, collaborate with and bounce ideas off of. And really, a lot of what changed that was VMUG and getting involved with organizations like V Brown Bag and things like that where I can now share some of my experiences and my thoughts. And really, what that helped me do was it helped me look at the bigger picture. What was my company trying to do? What is my, my customer trying to do? What are they really trying to achieve in their environment and how can I help them get there? And even in a VMUG environment, right? You go to a meeting, you hear a speaker, but the great thing is if you have questions after that, you can go up to the speaker and have a conversation. So right after this, I'll be probably sitting in the back. We could talk about anything that I'm discussing and, and really move forward from there as well. But from a business standpoint, I took more of a, I need to implement something to I want to design it. I want to look at more of an architectural overview of this system, really. What needs to be built and why am I building it? And that's really when you start looking more at the whys and the hows as opposed to the what, where I think your career can take a change you know, for the, the positive and really um, grow from there and, and beyond. Now, the other thing is when you start looking at the bigger picture and you start understanding the work that I'm doing not only affects my group, but there's other groups that are going to be affected, right? So especially dealing with VMware, there's a lot of different components, whether it's storage, networking, security, all these different aspects that kind of come together within a VMware environment. Now, obviously, containers is another uh, big one. But that technology is really going to bleed over into other areas, and you'll have the ability to now you know, work with other teams and other groups. So the approach that I really started to take was, you know, one, what am I doing? Now, I'm going to kind of break this down, you know, eighth grade social studies, who, what, when, where, why, and how, you know, we'll talk current events, right? But the first thing I really always try to understand is, what are you doing? Now, for my customers, what is it you're trying to do? Is there a goal? Are you having a deficiency? Is there a problem that you're currently facing that now you need to try and solve for? Or maybe it's something where you have a situation where your customers, um, you know, if you're the in-house IT, your customers are being affected by something. So I worked at this very large financial institution and we were, I think, the number three public uh, hedge fund in the world, $40 billion under management. So we had these uh, very, uh, let's see, uh, monetarily driven uh, traders that like to get stuff done at a very uh, quick pace. And every morning they would come into work, they'd have a PDF report sitting in their inbox where they could see kind of what's going on in the world, right? It was all the analysts were gathering data and then taking that data, feeding it to these guys, right? So we started running into a bit of a technical problem where my storage array started hitting some latency that was, you know, roughly 250, 300 milliseconds, you know, which is, you know, it's fine. Um, but for these guys, those reports that they expected on their desk by 7 a.m., they started getting 7.15, 7.30. 8 o'clock, now they were bleeding over into trading hours. So they were expecting to already know what they were going to go and attack, what they were going to uh, you know, buy and sell and things like that. But now they didn't have that data at their hands when they needed it. So not only was there a technical problem, but there was a business problem that was directly costing my company money. Okay? And that's the thing that even though there's a technical challenge that you're trying to solve for, you might be troubleshooting, you know, just might be a, like a network issue or you know, storage issues like I mentioned, but how is that affecting the rest of your business? And really, 
Does it affect your customers? Does it affect your internal users? But really, when that problem is solved, right, is that going to fix the underlying issue or is there a business practice that needs to change? Do you need to go and maybe take another look at the way you're doing things today and adjust? And that's really the, the one thing is I, I've taken a, a view on really introspection, right? I'm pretty good at my job, but I want to be great at my job. And then once I'm great at my job, I want to be even better. And I want to keep growing and really learn as much as I can and then take that knowledge and pass it on to others because I feel like the more people I can build up around me, the better we're going to be as a team. Okay? Now some people might not really work on a team, you might be kind of lone wolf, you know, on your own, maybe you don't have the budget to hire another person, you know, which that's a situation I faced before as well. But you can always get better and you can always collaborate. So the next thing is who is driving this problem, right? Or who is driving this project? Now let's say my issue was more of a break fix kind of situation, but typically there's a lot of you know new initiatives. I'm sure with all the announcements today, a lot of companies are going to be looking at uh, containers and Kubernetes and things like that where you're going to start implementing new technologies and bring those into your system, into your environment as fast as you can, right? Now, is this something that you're pushing to do something because it's going to make your life easier? So for example, I, I work at Zerto, as I mentioned. We have a lot of customers that like our technology. It's very simple, easy to use, things like that. But are they buying it because it's going to make their life easy? Or are they buying it because it's going to solve a gap in their environment where maybe they're, they're missing DR or they went through an audit and they had a failed you know, audit or something like that. They weren't in compliance, things like that. What's the bigger reason why this is happening? And what I found is when you can justify why you're doing something because it's going to solve a business challenge as opposed to it's just an IT issue that I need to you know, resolve, you're going to be a lot more successful. It'll be a lot easier to get the budget. You'll be able to find a situation where not only do you walk into your boss's office and say, hey, I want to do this, here's why, they don't have to go and then start asking you questions and try to justify it themselves. You've already provided that information to them. All right? And the easiest way to kind of define when a project is going to be pushed maybe at more at a business level as opposed to just like a technology level is how many groups are involved, right? Is this something that's being done across the board where you have multiple teams involved? Is it different business units where you're working with app teams? Maybe you even have different divisions within your company. I've seen some companies where they have the you know, internal corporate company, then they have the customer facing web development teams, and they're spread across all these different business units as well as organizational units. When they're all involved and you're all working towards one, one end goal, one state, it definitely makes it a lot easier to justify some of this work and really you know, understand that you're not only helping your department, but you're helping the company as well. So then, once again, current events, why are we doing this, right? What's driving it? Is there a business goal? Is there something where maybe you've been tasked with reducing the budget by 10% year over year, so you need to go look at a different solution? Maybe you're spending $2 million on something and you need to find a way to do it for 1.5 or something. What is that driving factor, right? What is the positive business outcome that you're trying to achieve in your environment, okay? Is there a goal? And, and once again, is there a bonus attached to this? You know, sometimes you'll find that there could be monetary bonuses for achieving some of these goals based on you know, upper level uh, goals. And you'll see where certain CIO level, C-level executives have a, uh, if I cut the budget by X amount, I could save money. 
you know, maybe that you worked into your contract as well. And it's kind of rare and definitely depends on your company, but I've seen where that can be, uh, be done as well. You know, from a, a systems engineer perspective, one of the things I always try to do is really understand what's going to benefit my customer the most, right? Why are they doing is it? Is, did they have a situation where they had a failed um, failure, or they had a outage, they had something that cost them money? Is this you know, really going to affect their job or their performance going forward, right? Are you going to run into a situation where if this doesn't get done, you're out of a, out of a job, right? What, what's happening? Maybe it was just something simple where company got bought, right? There's a merger and acquisition and you need to figure something out and you need to bring a group in. That's really where understanding the whys and the whats and things like that will help you really focus on why you're doing things a certain way, right? And then the other thing is, when you understand the, the driving forces behind a lot of this, it helps you architect, right? So when I was working at this media company, uh, it's very large, you know, I'm sure that uh, you've seen some of their products possibly on the Jersey Shore, right? And we had a situation where there was one application. It was our application that we used to sell ads, commercials, right? Made a ton of money. We're talking seven figures a minute, all right? So every minute that that application was down, we lost a million dollars. When that happens, right, there is a direct, very tangible effect. So I tried to get a situation where we looked at the architecture of this application and we found there were a couple single points of failure. And then we went to the business and said, we need to re-architect this application. It's going to take us six months. Here's the reason why we're doing it, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, well, we have other projects that are, you know, higher in the queue and this is not really a priority for us today. And then I mentioned that, you know, every minute that this is down, it costs us a million dollars. So if we're down, and they, I basically referred back to some previous outages and saw, you know, this application went down for two and a half hours, you know, back in uh, February. And that cost us, I did the math, you know, it's a, a lot of money. And at that point, now not only have I justified it from a technical standpoint, I've gone and showed them that we have a monetary reason to do this. And if we don't do this, the company is going to lose money. So whatever it costs and however much time it takes, this is going to take priority over the, the previous issues. Okay? All right. So when does your work need to be done by and why? This is a a tough one because sometimes there's not really a hard timeline sometimes it's just like we want to we have a goal that we want to implement this yeah we can take 18 to 24 months other times you'll run into a situation where you know what the lease in our data center is up next year so we have 12 months there's a ticking clock we need to get this done as fast as possible we need to look at what happens if we don't finish on time so we're getting back to you know I, I always try to tie these situations to either uh, a time bound or a financial bound metric where I'm looking at it from a, is this going to cost my customers money or do they need to be out by a certain amount of time or, you know, what is really driving this? So I, I like the example of uh, evacuating data center because if you're not out by a certain point in time, you either have to renew your lease, which is going to cost you X amount, or it's going to cost you a penalty for, you know, not being out in time because now they, the data center, uh, you know, colo provider can't rent that space to somebody else. So really, not only are you affecting your own business, you're affecting another business as well. And then what other projects are dependent on this project? So is this the first one maybe in a, a cascading group where it says, you know what, once this project's done, we evacuate the data center. Well, when we evacuate the data center, on top of that, we're actually going to upgrade from, say, 
6.5 to 6.7 and from a vSphere perspective, right? We're going to set up Greenfield at the new location and then migrate everything in and knock out two birds with one stone. Not only are we going to close the data center, but we're going to be able to upgrade our environment at the same time and really, um, you know, take care of two things at once. But we can't start that upgrade until this, this project is done over here, okay? And then from a timeline perspective, what else is happening, right? Where does this stack up in your total list of projects across the company, right? So let's say you're getting ready to do a, a vSphere upgrade, but there are some other applications that need to be upgraded. Maybe you're upgrading your SQL servers. Maybe there's, you know, Windows version that's going out at its support that needs to be upgraded first, right? What needs to be done? How do you prioritize? And when you're prioritizing, how does it stack up from that financial perspective, right? What's going to cause that financial pain to your, your company if it doesn't finish on time. So where is this happening? Okay. Is this something where it can be done by one or two people or are there multiple groups that are going to be involved? Are we looking at a situation where you're going to have multiple companies or multiple organizational teams, maybe your virtualization team. Now a lot of projects are going where there's hybrid cloud environments. You're going to have to have a cloud team involved. There's obviously going to be security requirements because everything you know, has to be secure now. You're going to have networking teams. How do you coordinate? Is there a weekly timeline that has to be set up? Is there a cadence call where you guys are talking about what the status of the project is, right? And does everybody have time in their calendar? Has that, all that been set up ahead of time, right? And then where do those people sit? Are they in your office? Are they you know, maybe at a remote location? Is this a global project? Are you trying to roll something out across your entire organization where not only do you have comp or components here in the States, maybe you have another team in the UK or in Asia Pac where they need to take care of their components as well, right? You need to be able to understand the global scope and then really work backwards. So what I like to do is, what's that date that I'm trying to complete by? And then what needs to happen in order for me to get there? So if I know that I have to be out of a data center by December of 2020, that means that I need to have all the VMs migrated you know, by a certain period of time. I've got to unrack and unstack all the equipment that's sitting in there and move it somewhere else. And I have to go through this process in order to make sure that I complete each task before I move on to the next one. Okay? Now, this is my favorite one. It's, do you need a maintenance window? How many people here have to put in a change request to do anything? Yeah. Oh, I feel for you, I'm sorry. You know, change windows really can put a wrench into things. And I don't know if you guys run into situations where you have to put a freeze or your company goes in a, uh, a freeze where, yep. so a freeze is where you're not allowed to do any work for a certain period of time. Typically, you know, retail, it's uh, right around Black Friday to I'd say Christmas time, you, you can't touch systems. You can't even make an attempt to break anything because it's going to cause problems for not only you, but for any of those uh, revenue generating teams. And as somebody who uh, worked in a company where there were salespeople, if you break something when somebody's trying to put in an order and get a commission, you're going to hear about it. It's just, just, you know, I have a feeling that's kind of how this works, right? But those maintenance and downtime windows need to be factored in when you're doing your work. So if you know, all right, I have to do this, that's only going to take me two hours, but I could only do it between Saturday and Sunday uh, on the third week of the month because the first two weeks are a freeze, that has to also be factored into that timeline, okay?
And then the other thing is, who is going to be affected during that outage window? And do you have a contingency plan? The other thing is really, when you're doing this work, it's great to be able to you know, notify users that there's going to be a small window of downtime. But what happens if that window increases? How do you recover? How do you get the systems back up and running to a state previous to when the work started? So let's say you have a situation where you go to upgrade something, upgrade goes sideways, and now you're in a situation where the system's down. How do you recover it? Is there going to be any data loss? And when is it going to be recovered from? And then the, uh, the how, right? So we've kind of gone through a lot of the, the reasoning why this is being done. The how, in my, you know, my perspective, is typically one of the easier uh, things to you know, figure out. It's really why you're doing it, who's going to be affected, who's involved, and things like that. Executing the technology, I mean, there's blogs and there's a ton of you know, wealth of resources on how to actually do things. And you know, one of the things I always like to ask is, you know, how many people here create virtual machines every once in a while or manage them? You guys, right? Pretty, pretty good amount. We're at VMworld, right? A lot of my, my customers, they deal with VMs every day, but they don't understand what the VMs actually do. And that's, I think, one of the other components where it's, yeah, you build these VMs and you build the infrastructure and you can build a global redundant, you know, auto healing system, but you don't know what the application inside of it's actually doing. How do you know what's making money? How do you know what's important when you're architecting? And that's really where the how comes into effect. It's, if you're architecting a system, how do you give priority? How do you know how many redundant links you need? Does it matter? Do you, can you have a single point of failure, right? And these are some of the factors that really need to be understood before you move forward. If you don't know the priorities and the importance of those actual applications, how can you build a system around it, okay? And then when we're talking about the how, I mean, there's, everybody can come in and say the typical SE answer is it depends. You know, we could, we could do it this way, we could do it that way, really. It depends and really where are we going? And are you gonna use your existing tools? Maybe do you need to go out and get a new version? Do you have to buy new hardware? Is there gonna be a situation where maybe you don't have everything you need? Now you have to start getting those budget timelines involved, right? All right, I do need to buy some new uh, blade servers or something like that, but the lead time on the blade servers is uh, you know six to eight weeks. So whenever I put in that order, I have to wait two months, factor that in. What could be done in that time, right? So if you have a six to eight a week period, can you maybe build out a script that's gonna automate the deployment so that as soon as they arrive, you rack and stack them, execute your script, and the system's built, right? Can that be done ahead of time? And then the one that often gets overlooked is, is there gonna be a learning curve? Are you implementing something new that's never been done in your company before, right? Is there a situation where this product is brand new, it's gonna you know, solve every problem that we have under the sun, but how many people know how to use it? How many people have been trained or are gonna be trained? What happens when it breaks, right? If it breaks, who's gonna fix it? And who's gonna be able to come in and have that, that expertise to know that I'll be able to solve this problem because I've gone through this before and maybe you don't have the expertise in-house. That's you know, another great reason for coming to these conferences because you could be walking down a hall and, and find the person who actually you know, built the product or built a white paper on how to deploy it. You know, we talk about um, VMware validated designs and things like that, where there's, there's blueprints on how to do this in the best way. And not only can you find out what those blueprints are, but you can talk to people here that have done it before. You could talk to customers, maybe in your same vertical. So I have healthcare customers that talk to other healthcare customers. They say, oh, you know what? We have the same compliance requirements. This is how we did it.
and this is how I've seen somebody else do it in the past. So you have people, you have white papers, you have blogs, you have all these resource podcasts. There's a, a ton of ways that you can solve for these issues moving forward. One of the other things that you know, also comes into mind is, is this gonna change the way that your company operates? So I had a, a company where they were looking at using our, our software for migrations, right? Where they can move entire applications, entire data centers. And the first question I asked them, like, well, what are you guys doing today? How do you guys do it? So I'm sure you have to move things around you know, today. Why are you looking at another product? What, where's the gap? What's the pain? And we talked to them and understood that the way that they were doing it was a very manual process. And we showed that we can automate a ton of those features moving forward and really help them understand that, yes, they have a way of doing it today, but that doesn't have to be the end-all be-all, okay? So, I guess really to end on um, looking at this process and really understanding the business approach and things like that, after you've gone through this and you've identified all these gaps, right, and you've implemented and you've done everything the way it's supposed to be done, you filed that white paper to a T, did you actually do what you needed to do? Did you solve the business problem? Did you go and talk to the app owners and understand that, hey, you guys were ha had a situation that was impacting us, that we were losing money and things like that, but did you actually resolve the issue that they were gonna, uh, that they were having, and did you make their environment better? And that's really one of the things that, you know, every product's great, deploying systems is awesome, but what's the point? And really, do you understand that, yes, we had a problem, we had some pain, we solved it, and here's how we can actually quantify it. You know, did you save your company money? Did you make more money because of the operational changes you made? Can you do things faster? And are you more agile? Okay? And this is really where you'll see the value in the work that you're putting in. You know, closing thoughts, once again, this is really just a, a method that I've used going forward. I think really the key thing to know is don't be afraid to ask for help and talk to people and really understand maybe this is the way people have done it in the past. This is the way that we're looking to do it. These are people that have been successful using this method. And you know, for any, anybody in sales or who do um, you know, sales engineering, things like that, understand what your customer is trying to accomplish and try to know their business. Okay? And uh, you know, I'll be uh, in the back if anyone has any questions. So thank you for the opportunity and uh, look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.